Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Friday, July 30th, 2021. I'm John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary Magazine, where you can... And you can find us uh, at our new URL, www.commentary.org. Christine Rosen is out today, so with me as always, Executive Editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. And Associate Editor Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. So the CDC's uh, Biden administration's continued campaign to explain what on earth is going on is so confusing that Biden himself... Uh, was confused by it and said yesterday in his public statement about the importance of doing everything we could to uh, you know get vaccinated, that if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask, which was interesting since this entire news cycle began with the declaration that everybody should wear a mask indoors again. That is the recommendation of the CDC. So apparently the president um, didn't quite understand that or hadn't or had forgotten uh, then when he was uh, asked uh, by by uh, Peter Ducey of Fox News uh, at some point why he had said that uh, in in May that uh, everybody, if you're vaccinated, you can take your mask off, he then said, I didn't say that. And that even though he had just said that if you're vaccinated, you can take your mask off. But that is not what his what the Centers for Disease Control is saying. That's not what the mayor of uh, D.C. is saying. Uh, I think we're expecting that on Monday uh, the mayor of the city of New York will also say that the indoor mask mandate is back on and so on. Uh, so this is, um, you know, about as bad as public messaging can get. And uh, it was not helped, I would say, by the release of this slideshow that supposedly is the reason that the CDC panicked and said everybody should put their masks on, which you can find at Axios this morning, uh, the 13-slide deck deck, uh, that is a communications document, by the way. It's not a it's it's not a science document. It's it literally says the title of it is improving communications around vaccine breakthrough and vaccine effectiveness. So good job there, CDC, fulfilling the mandate of your slideshow because um, the uh, communications have, if anything, been incredibly damaged by what you've been saying this week, Noah. Um, let or whatever. Let's try. We need to sort of sort through their different strands here, and this is so confusing uh, because we have what the threat is to the unvaccinated, and what the threat is to the vaccinated, and what the threat is from the vaccinated who suffer breakthrough infections, meaning infections that happen with the new Delta variant, despite being vaccinated. So there are three different issues here, and they are radically different. They are radically different from each other. The distinctions are alighted, by the way, in this document. Right. Um, So, yeah, the headline is Delta variants much more infectious. We know this. Infectious to the tune of chickenpox, which is more infectious than just about every other common disease you encounter. Uh, outside of, you know, the stuff that you're vaccinated for as a kid, like MMR and that sort of thing. Um, Top lines, I think, from this document, as far as vaccine effectiveness, VE, are that uh, the vaccine is effective against hospitalization to the tune of 88%. The vaccine is uh, effective 
against uh, being hospitalized, against against dying, obviously, in the 90s. It is symptomatic. It is effective against symptomatic affections, uh, data up to May 31 to the tune of 90 percent. Um, a lot of this data is based on the observance uh, observations of an outbreak in the United States in um, Provincetown, Massachusetts, which Josh Barrow actually had a very interesting observation on since it's a it's a New England town. It's it's very compact. It's tight. It was based on an outbreak over July 4th where there was very bad weather and everybody was crammed inside. So it has the has the characteristics of an outlier. Nevertheless, they also base this on observations from England, Scotland, Canada and Israel. And um, confirmed infection, symptomatic disease, and hospitalization are still to the tune of 80% to 90, mid-90s percent uh, in England, Scotland, and Canada if you have the vaccine. In Israel, it's a little different for the Delta variant. In Israel, uh, your risk of confirmed infection and symptomatic disease if you're vaccinated is somewhere in in the mid-60s, whereas hospitalization or death is still you're protected to the tune of 93%. Um, well, I think in all death, this data, death, death, you're protected to the tune of over 99%. Right. Okay. Hospitalization. I mean, so they in other words, if you're vaccinated, you're not going to, if you are vaccinated, you are not right. going to die of COVID. Right. They combine the, the two in this, in this yes. slide, which right. is right. stupid to begin with. Right. You know, you have, a, just as a digression before I conclude my thought here, the, the amount of Talmudic parsing that we have to do for public health guidelines in a pandemic is so recklessly irresponsible that you have to conclude it's strategic at this point. There's no other reason why they would leave you to engage in this sort of interpretation, uh, leave any of this subject to interpretation at all, unless they wanted you to engage in some exegesis, like really just uh, uh, parsing this data so that you can reach your preferred conclusion. Um, The final slide in this communication document is to say for the CDC that you have to acknowledge that the war has changed. The risk of severe death is reduced by tenfold or greater by vaccinations. Uh, the risk of infection is only reduced by threefold by vaccinations. And nevertheless, universal masking as a source for control and prevention is essential. Universal masking, not just, and not by the way, what the Biden administration has done, which is assign these counties, these yellow, orange, red, uh, green color coding, just universal just make it universal for the foreseeable future. I don't know what metric they would use to re- to withdraw these recommendations, but well, they've it's certainly said, not available here. They've said what the metric is. The metric is the caseload has to drop below 50 per 100,000. <clears> excuse me. Uh for for your county to go into the nice color. That is not the, that is the Biden administration. That is yeah. not what the CDC does. It doesn't says. matter. I mean, that's the the guidance of the Biden administration. The CDC is part of the Biden administration. So that is you're saying you don't know what Nominally. the metric is. Anyway, all right. So it's very hard to follow even what you just said. Not that you didn't say it beautifully, because <laughs> you did. And this is why, because there are three different issues here. Okay. What this deck shows unambiguously <clears throat> is that you are a psychotic lunatic if you don't get vaccinated. This is a very aggressively contagious strain and it has severe health consequences among the unvaccinated. Okay? So, we already thought that it was stupid not to be vaccinated. It is now really incredibly unbelievably unimaginably stupid. And the people who are who are crowing about somehow about the CDC, you know, make getting all confused and everything, 
and therefore their decision not to get vaccinated uh, is uh, justified or, you know, or, or, or they never put it that way. They always sort of put it in the, in the frame of, um, you know, a personal freedom or we don't have the right to, if you're so confused, we don't have the right to mandate these things. And we don't Or if they had previous infections, which this document does pretty much demonstrate is, is also incredibly stupid. Right. Uh, what it's not incredibly stupid to have a previous infection. No, to it's perceive yourself to be immu- immunized against right. this disease if you had a right. previous infection. Okay, so anyway, uh, so first of all, the the unvaccinated, for their own sake, need to get vaccinated, and it, we we kept saying that it's important to get vaccinated in order to stop the spread of the disease. Right. This is the question that is then raised. The second question that is raised. That is not answered in these slides, by the way, which is the important thing, which is, if you're vaccinated, can you spread the disease? And that is the most important aspect of the decision to make people mask, right? Mask again, is we need to stop the spread of this incredibly contagious virus, which can be spread by people who are already vaccinated. Okay? Now, it's barely uh, handled... Um, but there is one county, right? One county that is Barnstable County. That is where Provincetown is. Uh, that's Cape Cod. Uh, no, so they're the ones who say there's no, there's no difference in how much, uh, how transmissible the virus is, uh, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, but that is an incredibly small you know, a gr- group on which to base nationwide recommendations. You know, that's the problem is on the one hand, you can say, okay, well, it's the latest information. It came from July 4th. This is, this is, you know, a couple of weeks later, what choice do we have, but to use a kind of synecdoche, you know, like a small group to stand in for the whole and say, better safe than sorry. This is what happened in Provincetown. Uh, we better do it everywhere else but the key data which is which are things that were being said by health officials yesterday to the washington post and the new york times all involves how you might get a lot of virus in your nose and before you're even symptomatic you might be shedding it to everybody and then the vaccinated uh you can shed you can spread it not only Maybe you can not only spread it to the uh, unvaccinated, but you can also spread it to the vaccinated. It's a disaster. Uh, you know, we are in we are in hell, and everybody needs to mask up. But they don't actually make the case. They say there's bits of evidence here and there, and they're being, you know, it's it's the it's it's an abundance of st- caution standard that is like. 10,000 times higher than the abundance of caution standard was back in March of 2020 when we didn't know anything about the spread of the disease. I think that's exactly right. And see, this is why I don't agree with Noah that the confusion in the message is deliberate. I think this is a result of the fact that the CDC has wanted this entire time, they have wanted to stay with the messaging that they had two guidances ago which was go get vaccinated, then stay home and wear a mask. Um, it was, it was do, do nothing and get vaccinated at, and continue to do nothing. And 
they had to change that at some point, or they or or, or they they thought they thought it. Someone there thought it uh, worthwhile to change it at some point and say, okay, the the vaccinated don't have to wear masks. But because they always wanted to go back to that, they, this this messaging and the and the sort of case they're building around the new change is confused because they don't quite have the data there. They have what John's describing. They have these few sort of strands, these uh, uh, data points. Some may ultimately check out, some may not. Um, they still want you to get the, the vaccine. They still want to say it's effective, but they're trying to also build this case that even if you are vaccinated, you're in trouble. Um, I think the confusion is is um, completely organic to their needs. I don't think it's, I don't think they're trying to be clever. I think they don't know how to, how to get people to do what they want because what they want is crazy. They want you to get vaccinated and then do nothing with your life. All right. Well, I'm willing to believe that. And the, <clears throat> that would be an outgrowth of the tension between political imperatives and what they regard as medical imperatives, which are at odds. Let's be honest. But the lack of skepticism that has followed the introduction of this document into the public, you know, the political ecosystem suggests that nobody really wants to be convinced of the data. They don't need to be convinced by the data. They're already on board. The data is secondary. The, the, the notion that this needs to be justified by any sort of metric is beside the point. And the point really then isn't public health guidance, right? I mean, nominally it is, notionally it is, but it's also you know, sort of pushing back, not just against the vaccinated, not just against Republicans, it's pushing back against the White House. It's pushing back against the Biden administration's prime directives. Here's what Biden said yesterday. Quote, breakthrough cases remain rare and almost all are mild cases. In fact, virtually all hospitalizations and deaths are among the unvaccinated. How is this a way of selling the message that everybody should mask up again? I don't understand what's going on here and they don't care if you understand well i know no again i think you always make the mistake of thinking that people are operating on the basis of your understanding of sweet reason and they're not like they are i don't they, think so I, I i just to clarify my position yeah, i don't think they okay. care about sweet reason whatsoever because they're no, not engaging no i'm that. saying you think that people know sweet reason and reject it for other reasons and I'm saying that if what your focus is, is uh, if there's one case of COVID, that's one case too many, then this is a perfectly rational response. Or if ultimately you have the cold-eyed sense that you want to say, it's on you, you're not vaccinated, there's this horrible thing out there, we're telling you get vaccinated, it could really make you sick, it could even kill you, can't stop you from killing yourself. So it's on you, right? They can't. So that's another dark way of looking at this and a dark way that public health officials could look at this. We're doing everything possible to tell you that you're in, you're at incredible risk if you don't get vaccinated. So that's all we're going to do is say, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Here's what's happened every day. But that's not what happened here. What happened here is in the interest of convincing the world that the vac that the that the uh, whatever it, what's happening here is that a, a, another interest that is totally divorced from the slideshow but that Rochelle Walensky the CDC director has admitted and that is going on 
is we need to do this now to prevent a mutation of the virus later that will be even worse, right? By the way, there are two presumptions in in this slideshow and the way they talk that are just not merited yet by the data, which is that it is as it is more dangerous than the original variant. I mean, they're saying it's more dangerous than the original variant, not just that it's more contagious, but that it's more dangerous. Uh, that is not supported by the data. The hospitalizations well, the do- remain the vaccinated for the, or rather the unvaccinated, right? No, but even for the unvaccinated, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the gross data over the last couple of weeks, the death toll is not anywhere congruent to where it was during the original variant. You know, have, last year. Well, I mean, the the CDC, the document we're talking about lists Canada, Singapore, and Scotland as having. Um, Higher odds of hospitalization from this variant in Canada, higher odds of oxygen requirement in Singapore, and higher odds of uh, hospitalization in Scotland. Okay, but Singapore is not using our vaccines. So that's an apples-to-apples comparison. When we talked about this in the beginning of the Scotland, England, um, Canada, and Israel uh, data was predicated on two doses of Pfizer. Right. Not Moderna, so, not J&J, yeah. not AstraZeneca, right. just you know, Pfizer. Yeah. So Israel is showing some degradation in the uh, eff- effectiveness of the Pfizer vaccine, uh, which is why they're about to go to a booster shot next week. They're, they're seeing it. They saw a drop after six months or whatever from 90-some percent to 64 percent, whatever that means, because it's not clear what, what all this means, because it also it, – it, these that also is just about positive tests. It doesn't get to whether or not you you're positive and then you're asymptomatic. So you actually get it, but it, you know, it doesn't make you sick. I mean, there seems to be a general presumption assumption. And let's go through this again. Biden says if you're vaccinated, breakthrough infections are very rare, and you're not going to get and you're not going to get sick. However, according to other people you can still shed the virus, which is why a vaccinated person should wear a mask. But if you shed the virus to the vaccinated, they're in the same boat that you are, which is to say they may get it, but they're not going to get sick from it. They'll be asymptomatic or they'll be very mild, and then maybe they'll spread it to somebody else who will be asymptomatic and not be sick from it. The only people who are in danger in this scenario at all are the unvaccinated. I mean, let, th- this is the logic. The logic here is you need to get that. You need to wear a mask to protect people if you're a vaccinated person from your spread. But if you're not at risk of anything serious, the only danger you really pose is to the unvaccinated. Now, we're back in the, oh my God, you know, the immunocompromised and, and, and kids under 12. Right. That's okay. So, are we not supposed to do this for the immunocompromised and kids under twelve? Okay, that's a very that's a very strong case. Are there any data points that suggest that the Delta variant is worse for kids under twelve 
than the original variant. I haven't seen a single piece of evidence that says that kids are getting sick in a way they haven't gotten sick before, except these anecdotes about summer camp. And that's by the way, it. That's it. And those anecdotes yeah. have appeared with the arrival of every new variant. They would they, right. would they would say, and the thing that's different this time is we're seeing cases in kids. Right. I'm not saying, by the way, look, I now want to back off my rage here a little bit and um and and say look listening to stuff yesterday i you know i started saying okay well you know maybe we are overreacting negatively because here's i'm just going to read you something from uh the washington post article okay Walter Orenstein, associate director of the Emory Vaccine Center, said he was struck by data showing that vaccinated people who became infected with Delta shed as much virus as those who were not vaccinated. The slide references an outbreak in Barnstable County, Mass., right? Which is what we, I think this is very important in changing things, he said. A person working in partnership with the CDC on investigations of the Delta variant who spoke on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to speak said the data came from the July 4th outbreak in Provincetown. Genetic analysis of the outbreak showed that people who were vaccinated were transmitting the virus to other vaccinated people. The person said the data were deep, was deeply disconcerting and a canary in the coal mine for scientists who had seen the data. Okay, so I read that and I'm like, all right, vaccinated people are spreading it to vaccinated people. Uh-oh, that's not good. Except... They also say that vaccination protects you against serious illness and certainly 100% from death. So this is where you start getting into the trade-off question, which is, is preventing the vaccinated from infecting the vaccinated with a mild case of COVID worth a national mask mandate? That ultimately is what we're talking about here, because I, I, I don't want to be heartless and I don't want to be mean, but it is certainly not worth protecting the unvaccinated from the vaccinated spreading it to them to have a mask mandate. And anybody who says that it is, is a moral idiot. These people are making a choice. They're making their own choice. They are living with their choice. And by the way, if they are immunocompromised, they should stay in their house. And not go out. I mean, I thought that's what it means. I mean, we're now supposed to flip all all of life inside out. How can how can the immunocompromise go out when any disease is being spread? The flu, you know, uh, strep. I don't know. You know, this is not a this is well, not a be, rational to standard. Clear, to be clear, <clears throat> the CDC's and Vivek Murthy, Surgeon General, if you're immunocompromised, you can't go out, but stay outside. Don't go inside. And if you have to go inside, be super cautious, double masked, what have you. But the same guidance applies to children under the age of 12 and people who have children under the age of 12, according to them. And again, I would accept that we have a game changer and that something needs to be done if they provided us evidence that said that children were now at risk in a way they were not before. I think that's unambiguous. Although even there... It's only unambiguous in the cases of people who have children, right? It's not unambiguous in the cases of people who are living their lives and, you know, uh, aren't in proximity to children all day. You know, I mean, that, 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 that just stands to reason. Like, you can go to your office and you can go home and you can drive in your car and you can go to the mall and all of that. And as long as you stay away from children, you're... 
I thought the same thing happened six feet apart and all of that. Like that's, but I'm just saying what, if they don't show us that data, all they've shown us is the vaccinated can spread it to the vaccinated in a, and then get a mild and then, but the, the only cases are mild. Okay. So Jim Garrity at national review writes the obvious take today. No offense to Jim. I mean, good for him for actually penning it down, but the obvious take is when the Biden administration seems to have committed itself to talking only to the people it can already reach, which are the fully vaccinated, and asking them to save the, the unvaccinated from themselves, which is A, a losing game, and B, likely to engender hostility among the, the vaccinated, the people who did their part, the people who can ca- calculate risk rationally. And we talked yesterday about the GDP numbers. Goldman thinks that the resurgence of this virus, coupled with renewed mitigation measures, are going to put downward pressure on the economic recovery. And then we have some data from 538 polling average, which is written up in NBC News today, which suggests that Joe Biden's support um, among people on based on his handling of the virus is declining rapidly. Also, it was not it's not bad. It's at 59 percent approved, 35 percent disapproved, but it's going down. It was in the 60s before. Also, Americans are saying they're less optimistic about the future. In April, 64 percent said they were optimistic. 36 percent said they were pessimistic today. 55% say they're pessimistic about the year ahead. 45% say they're optimistic. It's all going in the wrong direction from the perspective of the Biden administration. If the political pressure was what what gave to us the May guidelines that lifted all mask mandates, then the political pressure is not going away. It's only going to get worse. And the tension between the public health bureaucracy, which I, I don't know is in the control of this White House, frankly. In May, the White House said, look, we didn't know anything about this, this guidance. It just came as a surprise to us because they were afraid of the backlash. I didn't believe them then. I don't know if I don't believe that anymore. Wait, which I don't guidance? know if, that, if the White House is exerting so which, control. No, which, which guidance in May are you talking uh, the, the unmasking guidance. Oh, okay. I don't know if the public health bureaucracy is in control of the political class. I think they're rogue and they're doing what they want and they're exerting whatever pressure they can to get to, to undermine the political imperatives that this White House wants to pursue. Oh, I, I don't. I don't disagree with that. That's one of the interesting things here. Is we get all this. Oh my God, the Bidens are so wonderfully controlled. Ron Klain, he's the best. He's the most effective chief of staff in forty years. It's just amazing. And on the on the single most important matter facing the country, uh, they they do not have control of the message. And the message should be coming from the president of the United States. It shouldn't be coming from relatively minor officials. I understand the impulse to say, look, we don't want to look like we're interfering with the science because that's what Trump did. Oh, it's so terrible. It's what Trump did and all that. But that is, that is a total misunderstanding of a national mobilization or national strategy. When you need people to do things, whether or not Republicans will listen to Biden or not, you need to impose uh, uh, the organization and the structure on this that li- that comes from the top down because it is a top down strategy. It is a national guidance, and some some third rate maker of a slideshow in Atlanta shouldn't be controlling the United States. And yes, that's the opportunity cost question, which is it is not for them to determine whether. Uh, it is better for people to mask up or better for the economy to shrink. That is a choice the president has to make. That's why 
uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. That's why Henry V can't sleep at the night before the battle. Like, that's what we choose the president to do. We didn't choose Vivek Murthy. We didn't choose Rochelle Walensky. He did. But in the end, the buck stops there. Abe, sorry. Well, speaking of the buck stopping, the there will be an opportunity to change um, uh, public perception of Biden in, in regard to um, the pandemic again when this wave subsides, which it will. Um, the administration can play that up however it wants. When that time comes, it could say, you know, look, we you we were warned against it, but we got we had to be more vigilant, and you know, uh, we we people challenged us on it, but we did what was right, and now we're better off. The question is, when does this end? Um, there will always be, or there can always be, um, some cause for someone or some group at the at the CDC to say. Uh, we got a, We got a new, big new problem in the data on the horizon. We got to do something. Um, if if we're sort of living indefinitely at the mercy of the CDC, and if and if the Biden administration is is functioning sort of you know on 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 this leash that they that they that the that ultimately the CDC holds and can retract at any point, um, then yeah, then then we're never out of this. Right. Um. It's enough to make you sleepless. I don't want you to get not get enough sleep, so that's why I want to talk to you about Bowling Branch. Uh, you know, people buy comfortable mattresses. That's important because they want to sleep better. But, you know, maybe they don't think as much about the sheets, and the sheets are just as important, if not more so. High-quality sleep doesn't stop at your mattress edge. Ultra-soft organic sheets from Bolin Branch are transparently sourced, produced in safe air conditions. You'll feel a difference and you'll know you're making one. Uh, Bolin Branch started with a mission to produce the highest quality sheets on the market and make the world a better place in the process. Today, they're still the best choice for anyone who wants comfort that lasts. Founded in 2014 by husband and wife Scott and Missy Tannen, came down to a choice to do what's right, founded to give more sleepers more choices for high-quality sheets at a fair price, and continuously building a fairer and better supply chain for the improvement of the entire future textile industry. Bolin Branch partners with family-owned businesses that align with the same values and standards. They're pledging to double U.S. Assembly jobs this year. You can try them worry-free for three, 30, nights, 30 nights with free shipping and returns. And my listeners get an exclusive 15% off their first set of sheets with promo code commentary at bolandbranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H.com, promo code commentary. Um, so, you know, it is not as though the CDC shouldn't have a very important voice at the table. I just want to make that clear. Like, I don't think the CDC is discredited. It is that it is an agency with an interest. And this is why there are interagency groups that discuss all sorts of things and always have. And we know this from national security. Do we impose sanctions on X country or will that have a consequence domestically on American manufacturers, the American supply chain, you know, uh, cost of products, all of that. Will it be effective or will it be ineffective? Will it cause the kind of political change we want to see in the places that we're imposing sanctions? Or will there be a backlash and will they crack down even harder on the people that we're trying to help? These are the kinds of 
disputes and debates and discussions that have to go on when you are making life-changing decisions and e- economy disrupting decisions in in a in the executive branch. So the CDC has to be there at the table, but other people have to be at the table too. It is rational to say without reference to anything else that if we were just a, a bunch of chess pieces on a on a chessboard and uh this chess piece, you know, can infect that chess piece. And so better that they're kept apart and that this chess piece is a mask put on it and that one in order to protect that one. And maybe that one should have every, all chess pieces should have a mask on, but because we can't trust that they will all put a mask on, they should do X, Y, and Z, but we are not chess pieces. We are full blown self-governing human beings and we can't be moved around like that. And then you have, so we have the, this bizarre point, which I think is very striking, which is, this guidance goes to everybody needs to wear a mask, right? The guidance has always been that the unvaccinated need to wear a mask. It was only that the vaccinated should no longer need to wear a mask. So now you're saying the vaccinated need to wear a mask. The unvaccinated also continue to need to wear a mask. What incentive is there for the unvaccinated to wear a mask except that they don't want to get sick, right? They don't want to wear masks. So if you give this guidance, you are effectively, let me just finish this point, you are effectively telling the unvaccinated that they are now being protected from COVID by the vaccinated. So you are reducing their incentive to vaccinate because the society is mobilizing to protect them, which is what it did last year when there were no vaccines and there was no way to protect yourself against the virus. And now there is a way to protect yourself against the virus. And now you're getting a new layer of protection, which is that these Schmendricks are going to put a mask on and you're going to walk around waltzing like Matilda all around the place because you're, you know, you don't want to get the vaccine and you're a woohoo, I score, I win, I don't get the vaccine. And I'm going to have this little extra element of protection. I think that's slightly misinterpreting how the unvaccinated think. The unvaccinated aren't afraid of COVID. They don't walk around thinking, okay, this is a place where I'll be protected from COVID. They don't give it a second thought. So the public policy should be to integrate insofar as it's possible, this population that's obdurate, that doesn't calculate risk well into the population of people who do to reduce the risk of transmission. Per perfectly predictable event is ongoing. And we talked about this before. It was observable in Los Angeles a week or two ago. Axios has a series of dispatches today from places like Northwestern Arkansas, Charlotte, North Dakota, or North Carolina, Denver, Des Moines, Iowa, Tampa Bay, St. Paul, and Minneapolis. And what have they found? The places where masking is all but universal now are the places where vaccination is all but universal. Where isn't it observable? Where there's lower rates of vaccination, where people who don't care about mitigation strategies, don't think COVID is a risk to them, don't calculate risk that well, are choosing, selecting for venues where there are no mitigation measures in place. We are effectively herding these people together when we should be doing the precise opposite. This is exactly what we said was going to happen. And it's happening right before our eyes. This is the opposite of a sound public health policy. And I'm no expert, but I can see that happening. So it stands to reason that somebody with a PhD should see it happening as well. And yet 
they're leaning into this strategy, talking only to the people who are still listening to them, which is going to have the precise opposite effect. Who's going to reward this in 2022 with a vote? And this is where, you know, the whole question of compliance really becomes the critical one, because how would anyone sort of um, enforce its guidance? So it's not really enforced, but ha- but but the way the, the, the guidance um, sort of becomes public reality is that uh, private stores and, and restaurants, whatever else, um, have signs up and say, you have to have a mask here uh, if you're going to enter. Uh, b- b- please put on a mask on uh, regardless of vaccination, whatever it is, right? That will happen, as, as Noah says, that will happen in areas where everyone is already vaccinated, vaccinated and stores and bars and restaurants in areas with low vaccination rates will not put up any such signs. Of course. I saw a tweet this morning, um, briefly, that <clears throat> some, somebody very technocratically inclined clearly was like, oh, you know, vaccine, it seems the vaccination uptake is really low among people who don't have insurance. So clearly it's cost, clearly it's access, clearly there's a public policy that we can imply here that will alleviate this condition. No, no, obviously not. The people who don't have insurance, despite the relative easy access of getting insurance, don't calculate risk like you do. They are not reachable to you. They're not listening to you. I don't understand why the the technocratically inclined cannot admit to themselves that they're not universally appreciate it, that people aren't necessarily listening to them. They're not listening to us. They're not listening to anybody. They don't care. Look, I think the central point here is that is that uh, if there were a way to scare them silly, to say, this is like chicken pox, you're going to get it, it's worse, it's worse than the previous variant, so uh, you think that you're going to be fine, but you're not going to be fine you better do something, then I would be all all in favor of that. The problem, again, goes to what happened for the first year of the COVID regime when really mostly liberal public opinion, despite the horrors of COVID, overstated the danger and the risks from uh, ordinary conventional human behavior. Uh, and so this gives people who don't want to get the vaccine, a ready base of information that says to them, I don't need to listen to these people. I don't need to listen to these people. So the only people who are going to be scared are people who have done what they were supposed to do. I want to point out one thing that I I sort of circled around, but didn't quite get to. Uh, So, uh, the Delta variant is as contagious as chickenpox, right? That's what the that's what the slideshow says. It may be spread by vaccinated people as easily as it is spread by the unvaccinated. That's what the slideshow says. That is not what the that is not the data in the slideshow. By the way, say that vaccines present prevent excuse me more than eighty percent of Delta infections. Okay. If it prevents them, they're not going to spread the virus. So it's the other 20% that might, spe- that might spread the virus. Just for so clarity, fact, there's a footnote yes. in, this, in this slide. Yeah. Data from COVID Tracker as of July 24, 2021, indicates that vaccine effectiveness against all symptomatic illness from the Delta variant is 88%. Right. 
So, so we're not even talking about 20%. We're talking about 12%. Okay. So let's say it's 12%. So it's not as contagious as chicken pox. I mean, if you get chicken pox, you give somebody else chicken pox. If they don't stay away from you and they don't have immunity from chicken pox. That's chicken pox. Chicken pox is like, has, you know, I don't know. It's not quite a hundred percent, but like it is bad. Like it's crazy. It's crazily infect infectious. And of course it's not murderous, although it can have, there can be, you know, certain bad consequences, but it's like crazily infectious. So in fact, the vaccines prevent the crazy infectiousness to a very high degree. So this actually reduces the chicken poxigness of of the of the Delta variant spread by the vaccinated down to twelve percent from a hundred percent, and that is a that again if you do this and you and I mean granted like I don't think people are Talmudically studying these numbers the way we are uh, as as you say Noah, but um, it just doesn't follow that this response makes sense. And I, I just, you know, I, I feel like we are, you know, we're taking crazy pills again. It's, 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 it's a nightmare. We're sort of like living in a nightmare here because uh, they're, they're being nuts and they're doing nuts things that are going to make it worse, not better for everybody except I mean, I don't know who who whose lives are improved uh, by by this mandate. Liana, Liana Wynn. I mean, she's <laughs> she's having go. the best time of her life right yeah. now because right. she's been vindicated. She's out there saying, "Listen, this is what I've been saying forever," and in fact, it doesn't go far enough. Right. But the, well, Paul, I, Paul, go ahead. I'm well, sorry. I just want to note: it's interesting to me that they are no longer talking about the prospect of a scarier variant coming down the pike. Right. The, 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 well, Walensky did. Walensky talked about it on Tuesday. Oh, of a of a still scarier of a still. Oh, on Tuesday. Yeah, but yeah. it's not in the slideshow. Yeah. Right. No. Right. But I think now it's kind of like they've settled on the idea that this is this is the one. But again, I think that's because they understand that the message that we have to do this in order to prevent a variant that doesn't exist yet uh, is. Illog- it's not even illogical. In some ways, it's oddly logical, but it is speculative and it is perspective. And you're telling 330 million people that they need to behave in a certain way in order to prevent something from happening that may not happen. Right. But it's. Or that is likely not to happen, right. actually. Not that is likely to happen. But, you know, so it reminds me kind of of like the shift in messaging about global warming. You know, they, they sort of went from this is what's going to happen to. Let's stop saying this is what's going to happen. It's happening now. Look, look around and see right. this from happening. So it's it, they're, they're trying to like sort of bring that urgency to it, yeah. right? So um, let's talk a little about the uh, economic uh, consequences of this matter and the numbers that um, the numbers that we uh, that we saw yesterday with the uh, uh, second quarter economic growth coming in at six and a half percent fully 2% under what was uh, anticipated. Um, as I suspected, I, I thought I would get interesting uh, observations on this matter from David Bonson and his internet products, the dctoday.com and dividendcafe.com on this, and I have, and, uh, and it is very helpful 
Uh, and I, that's why I, comm- I keep commending these newsletters to you. One comes every day around six. One comes on Fridays. Uh, Dividend Cafe is the weekly. The DCToday.com is obviously the daily. And David crunches numbers, looks at large-scale phenomena. Um, uh, he, uh, you know, in a private email to me, he says... Look, uh, consumer behavior is great. It does show a roaring recovery, and we are really still having huge supply chain problems, and that is affecting the recovery and slowing things down. And um, the supply chain problems are only going to increase with this kind of guidance because you are going to interfere with the good working order of the supply chain by inconveniencing people and throwing everything into kind of chaos. So... Watch, if you go today to DividendCafe.com, sign up, you'll get to read his weekly analysis tonight um, of all of these matters, and you sign up for the DCToday.com, you will get information on a daily basis that will make your investing, your understanding, and your perspective that much stronger. So that is what you get from the Bonson Group, the antidote to the intellectual spaghetti of the financial services and management industry uh okay we just once again we're talking about one thing over and over and over again we're driving ourselves crazy they're driving us crazy i wish we could think of something else to talk about is there anything else that we can talk about infrastructure mania oh we have okay. a bill yes a 2400 page bill i haven't read it <laughs> That's the extent of my ability to introduce a new topic into this program. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. So we have the so if we're playing like like bingo, we have infrastructure, we have economic growth. Okay. Let me talk about the economic growth thing uh, because I'm I'm struck by this. So the number is huge. Six and a half percent growth is huge. It is like the you know it's the fastest growth we've seen in decades. Two thousand three. Okay. So it's almost twenty years to have number a number that high. Uh, in one quarter. Okay. So it's huge, but it missed. It missed. Uh, and and so there are two... Uh, we're, we're focusing on the miss. But I noticed very conveniently that the general mainstream media approach to this was huge GDP number. Economy back to the size it was pre-pandemic. Wow. It's really happened. I, I hate to do this kind of whataboutism, but do you think if there was a Trump number that was supposed to be six and a half, eight and a half, and it came in at six and a half, that that would be what the front page of the New York Times would say? I mean, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're caviling uh, inappropriately to say that there was this huge miss. Um, and in fact, the markets didn't seem yesterday to think that it was any reason to be depressed or worried. Um so maybe we're maybe we're caviling and maybe you well, know we also, should be put on the block. I mean, there's also among you know people in the market that uh, it's a kind of a good number in a sense that it's it shows no sign of anything being overheating. Right. Uh, so so I'm just saying, like I, I I'm just struck by the fact that the what about uh, the big is, myth is, is a huge yeah is, a, a big yeah is totally correct. I mean, if if. If Trump overshot a, a, a prediction, you know, if he did better, then it would, it would say, you know, skepticism accompanies 
uh, new uh, GDP report or whatever. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting thing because on the one hand, maybe this is this is the way these things should be reported. Like as a matter of fact, the the you know the number came in. It was six and a half percent. Who cares what the who cares what the experts thought? Maybe the thing to do is to make fun of the experts for overshooting, not make not not say that you know Biden failed because what did he fail? He failed. He failed the people who were polled by the Wall Street Journal and said, well, I think the growth will be this number. Like, who are they? You know, wh- why should we listen to them? Uh, we don't. Li- there are all kinds of experts that we know we're not supposed to listen to, like Liana Wen. By the way, I want to get back to Liana. Let me just make one quick point about Liana Wen I forgot, which is that she said, I was right all along. And the reason that everybody has to mask is because you can't trust people. You can't trust that if they're not masked, that they're vaccinated. That wasn't the point. The point is not to give you an eyeball sign on whether or not the unvaccinated are unvaccinated or vaccinated. The point here was that enough people were getting vaccinated and the vaccinated were no longer at risk from the unvaccinated, that the people who weren't wearing masks who were unvaccinated were maybe a threat to themselves and a threat to other people, but they weren't a threat to you. So the idea that in May this was something that should have been done is hilarious, that she is somehow being justified before the Delta variant hit, that you know we needed this as a public sign of fealty to the vaccination regime, effectively. Um, it's fascinating. Paul Offit, again, as I've said many times, is a hero, He's a lifesaver. He's amazing. But I saw him on on the news hour last night, and he said this thing about how you know, I mean, we just we lowered our guard. We lowered our guard. We were we didn't take seriously COVID enough back in May, and here we are now. And I'm just very worried. And then when he said he was very worried, this great American then issued wildly distorted numbers of where we were. He said, like today. We have 80,000 new cases and 500 deaths. We don't have 500 deaths, 300 deaths. The day before, which is the only time he would have had numbers, we had fewer than 300 deaths. Today we have 320 deaths. The caseload was at like 55,000 when he said it. Apparently now it's at like 70. So these guys, these people are, are also proffering misinformation. Anyway, I'm sorry to go back to this topic but like i i i need i wanted to remember to mention this cuz uh, you know again in in life every you know only one in a million people has any kind of positive effect on the world around them like paul offit so i i i i hesitate to say anything you know hostile but um but you know you're not supposed to not tell the truth about these things when you go on tv if you're going on tv as one of the world's foremost experts on this. And with that, let me talk to you for a minute about the X chair and that new LMAX temperature regulation. The X chair, the luxury supercar of office chairs, right? Takes your seating comfort to a whole new level. And patent pending LMAX allows you to experience cooling heat and massage in your lower back. If you're feeling a bit warm, you can set your LMAX to cooling. If the air conditioner is cranked up too high wherever you are, set the LMAX to heating, warm up, and soothe tired muscles. 
feeling stressed from too many Zoom calls, turn on LMAX Massage Therapy and relax. With that dynamic variable lumbar support that's always been part of the X-Chair, already patented, already best in class, with incredible responsive low back support, but with LMAX now, your comfort is guaranteed. You won't believe the difference until you feel it for yourself. Imagine regulating your body temperature and getting massage therapy while you're working. Go to xchaircommentary.com now. That's the letter X, the word chair, commentary.com. Or call one eight four 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 x chair to save $100 off your offer. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchaircommentary.com now and use code XWheels for free X-Wheel blade casters. xchaircommentary. Com. So, uh, anybody have anything light in spirit to speak about? Hmm. Nothing. I am both editing and moving. So the answer to your question is no. <laughs> Definitively, but you want to move. 100%. But you want to move. You're not. You're not moving unwillingly. Well, but yeah, and at the end of both of those processes, it will yes. be a joyous, wonderful time to celebrate. In the okay. middle of them, it's a slog through hell. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to. I'm sorry. To <laughs> I'm sorry. Thanks. Thanks for raising in our spirits. In keeping with the theme that was really of the podcast, yeah. a little dispiriting, yes. but nevertheless, crushing, crushing, crushing morosity makes its return. Remember, go to merch.commentary.org to get that commentary merch. Those crushing morosity T-shirts. Crushing morosity, of course, a phrase introduced to us in a in an email or a, I can't remember if it was a comment on the Apple hmm. podcast comments where you could go leave us a comment. A nice five-star comment would be really nice. Uh, you guys have been great about that. But anyway, somebody said there's a, such crushing, crushing morosity. We love this phrase. And we now have a t-shirt that says crushing morosity on it and a sweatshirt. And you can go get that merch at uh, www.commentary.org. Just look well, at no, the top. No, we really made it. When uh, the dictionary adds morosity to <laughs> yes. the actual list of real words, like yes. one of the tween, yeah. you know, uh, words that just finds its way into into Webster's yes. because it's really yes. popular in yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Well, if you're like me and you're obsessed with the New York Times spelling bee, which is this uh, seven letter puzzle that they have every day, um, I keep like coming up against words that I know are words that they refuse to accept as words. And therefore I get really annoyed. And the big one is inanition, which they continue not to accept as a word. And it drives me crazy. And so, but if you're a spelling bee person like me, you know that there are these words and you go nuts because they don't, they don't accept them. And it's very annoying. So that's more crushing morosity for you. Hey, complain about something and then we'll, we'll, we'll say goodbye for the weekend. Um, I'm so devastated by what how you describe um, the New York Times spelling bee. I don't know that I can think of anything else. That's just you can't think of anything else. Okay, all right. Well, congratulations, everybody. We have brought you down. We have crushed your spirits. We have we have fulfilled our mandate, which is to say everything is terrible, and the only good part is that it's only going to get worse. So. With that, I hope you really have a great weekend nonetheless, and don't follow our example. Like, don't follow our example and go down the rabbit hole of of depression. Or that you could follow Noah's example of the optimism that lies at the end of a long path, a long journey uh, into a new home and the publication of a, of a new book. Um, uh, so that 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 is a that is a long. It's a march that begins with a single step. But Noah, you're like three quarters of the way. 80% of the way to the book. So I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. This is just, this is the very last 
the last hurdle to overcome. Right. And then all the, then it's all gravy after that. That's great. Right. So I decided to pile onto that, the move at the exact yeah. same time. Okay. Make, you know, really a testing mode. This is a trial uh, of the soul that when I emerge from the other side of it will be, you know, that much stronger. Okay. Much like getting vaccinated. Yeah. Get vaccinated. Stop being an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. I've been saying it for months and I knew this was going to happen. It's people like you who are doing this to us. It's not just the CDC. It's not just their love of this. It's you people out there who are listening to my voice who are not getting vaccinated. And I know you're going to email me and I don't care. I'm going to throw your emails in the garbage because you are ruining this country. Thanks a lot. And that's all I'm going to say because now I've really plunged into crushing rusty despair and anger. And I should stop because it is Friday. So with that, have a wonderful weekend for the absent Christine, who will be back on Monday. And Abe and Noah, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.